We got a lot of carbon scoring here. Looks like you boys have seen a lot of action. Taylor, a great student is what the teacher hopes to be. Davis, uh, my co-hosts, Aaron, anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Robertson. Hello. And Ben, adaption is the key to survival. Mackie. Hey, hey. Welcome to the show. Uh, for anyone that's joining us for the first time, a quick rundown of what we do on Carbon Scoring as we go over some current pop culture happening right now news in star wars we dive into a deep dive of a specific look of one of the corners of the star wars universe and then we answer a question of the day that has been posted to our facebook group so to get the ball rolling uh what's going on in pop culture that you guys have been paying attention to uh-huh. well i mentioned it to you guys already i picked up a book called the odyssey of star wars written by Jack Mitchell. It is the story of the original trilogy in the format of an epic poem like the Iliad, and I've been digging into it, and it is fantastic. Yeah? Nice. That's awesome. Uh, I've seen the Star Wars, like, Shakespearean take on, on the movies, but I have not seen this particular one. I actually had a friend, as soon as I told her what I had purchased, uh, was, as soon as you finish that, let me borrow it, and I'll let you borrow my uh, my Shakespearean Star Wars so we can we can trade and read them both. Nice. Huh, nice. I actually have some news for once. Oh, what's up? Disney released the footage of their new lightsaber that they're doing at the park that actually has a retracting lightsaber blade. I have seen those. I saw that fascinating little thing i know brings a whole new meaning to special effects definitely i'm very curious how combat ready they are i don't think they are although i suppose if you could just get a clip of yourself turning one on you could then immediately swap out for one in like a a quick change or something exactly yeah with what i've seen it looks like they kind of rotate the blade out right it's like a little motorized thing yeah it looks like the blade's coming out like it would in the movies. It's a wild. Looks really cool. I don't imagine that would hold up to much stress very well. And it's probably super affordable. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, five grand, probably. Eh, you know, give or take. <laughs> Speaking of affordable, that is the bit of news that I was going to talk about. I just punched Star Wars into my news app, and in nine hours ago, it says that... The Disney World Galactic Star Cruiser presale began on their tickets. <laughs> it says for those other that are interested in this, that know they will not be able to go to this. Um, <laughs> the immersive two-night hotel experience aboard the Halcyon takes flight on March first, two thousand twenty-two, and the one hundred cabins and suites available are expected to sell out quickly. Despite the fact 
that sample pricing on Disney's website starts at $1,209 per guest per night. Per guest? So it's like, if there's two people and there's a, like a bed, like a queen in there, they're like, ah, 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 two of you are going to be staying in there. It's $1,200 a piece. Uh (laughs) Gosh. Can't even split the bill. They've got Imperial officers, like, out at the front of the Disney gates being like, Ma'am, this is not a 12-year-old. You're going to be paying adult prices. <laughs> <laughs> nah, they're, like, scamming straight up like the huts. <laughs> and it will still sell out by about noon tomorrow, probably. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I hope they enjoy it. I hope it's a thing of wonder and it only becomes more affordable. Me too. I would love to do something like that. Sounds amazing. I think, honestly, if we all just got, like, really drunk at somebody's house and just watched all of the Star Wars movies, we'd all be fine with that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> for, for two days. <laughs> Have one on consecutively back to back. If you got me drunk and we did Star Wars stuff, I might be like, I bought a bunch of cardboard and duct tape. It's on its way here. We're building our own ship experience. <laughs> just a bunch of black and silver paint. Oh, you're going to build a ship? I was going to say we could build, like, armor. No, I meant, like, build the interior. I'm going to actually build a ship. Okay, you want to build a, a Star Wars Clubhouse, like, viewing room. I'm here yeah. for it. I like those Reddit posts that are, like, kids that are in the 501st community. Oh, yeah. Uh, that are participating in, like, the 501st is a group of cosplayers that do specific Star Wars stuff for charity. But in their, like, Reddit group, Sometimes kids will be like, I made this out of cardboard. And 600 people are like, that's amazing. That's the coolest thing ever. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Um, Aaron, you told us you were going to read us a sampling oh, yeah. of your Iliad, your great odyssey of Star Wars. Oh, well, I'll do a little bit. I like very long-winded, wordy things, so maybe this is more geared towards me, but maybe some of you in the audience will like it too, and you can pick it up. It starts with, you know, you get a little bit of uh, Scarif and Jyn or so and all that from Rogue One, and then it goes all the way through the end of Return of the Jedi, so you're getting, in one book, the whole trilogy. Nice. But I'll, I'll start at the beginning. I fully expect C-3PO sound effects through this. Like when 3 po is reading to the Ewoks. Well, your invocation begins. The choice of Vader, who forsook the way, and knelt before the throne and wore the mask. Slayer and slain, betrayer and betrayed. More god than mortal, more machine than man. Sing of it, muse, who linger on the rim of one lost galaxy far, far away. Recalling how it was that long ago, the paths of son and father first converged above the wastes of Tatooine, compelled and doomed by that indwelling power that binds all living things and balances our fate. What brought those two together long apart, and kindled savage war among the stars? The Death Star's readouts, secret diagrams that built a battle station like a moon, a planet killer poised in every sky, the Emperor's implement of terror, soon the Senate crushed, the Council dissolute, 
the proud republic's remnants swept away, illimitable cruelty, matchless power, would crown at last the malice of the Sith. And I got that far into it and went, I am so glad I spent $20 on this. I'm going to enjoy every second of reading this book. Oh man, I have goosebumps. That was really good. I liked that a lot. <laughs> That's great. When you're reading it with your cadence, I was picturing the guy from Clone Wars who did the announcer voice reading that. I, I went for that a little bit, yeah. Uh, I recently found out that that character from Clone Wars, Admiral Yularen, is the guy in A New Hope that is wearing white at oh. the like meeting table when when Tarkin brings everyone in and like is giving press releases to all of his like co-governors and things. There's one guy with a sweet white mustache and he's wearing all white and he's got white hair and they have made it through Clone Wars, Rebels, and A New Hope that that is the same character. Admiral Yularen. That's cool. Yeah. And I think they've even gone into more detail in other materials as to like what he did in the rise of the Empire and why he sided with them and all this other stuff. It's, it's a neat to see a character last that long kind of in the background. Mm. Oh, yeah. And you know that that guy, that actor, the, the actual actor in 77 that was at that and had no lines was like, this is silly. They hired me because I have a mustache. I'm going home. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I would be uh, pretty excited to get paid for having a good mustache. I know, right? That's fair. That's completely fair. <laughs> I just get to sit here in this snappy getup and look like a distinguished older man and not have to do anything. And then they cut me my check and I leave. Sounds like a good job to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, do we want to jump into it? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Uh,. We're going to break into our review of Season 3 of The Clone Wars, titled Secrets Revealed. Apparently, all of the seasons have, like, headers? I don't know what word to use here. They all have, like, bylines. Huh. Season 1 is... Well, Season 1 doesn't have one, but Season 2 is called Season 2 Rise of the Bounty Hunters. This is Season 3 Secrets Revealed. I never actually knew that. I've heard it because I remember watching it on Cartoon Network and it'd be like, you know, Steve Bloom in that tsunami voice being, you know, Star Wars, you know, Rise of the Bounty Hunters season two. Nice. They don't they certainly don't do anything with it outside of that. <laughs> nope. No, I'm sure that it's just for advertising purposes and like I'm sure they put it on the DVD boxes. That's probably true. We get a um, a weird start to this season. Because actually the first, uh, I think, three episodes in this are all episodes that if you are watching this chronologically, fall earlier on in the show. Uh, like, yeah. So, I mean, perfect example, our first episode in this season, Clone Cadets, actually happens right before season one, episode five, Rookies. One and two. It's a two-parter that leads into Rookies. Yeah. Yeah. Just the way that it was produced and everything happened, this ends up 41 episodes later on in the timeline for some reason. I, I feel like they ran into an issue of they knew their time period. They were between episode two and episode three. How long is that? Uh, four, five, six years. And so they got two seasons in and they were like, we're going to have to start doubling down on some of our ideas. 
and do prequel episodes to previous episodes and sequel episodes to previous episodes. And that's this whole season. This whole season is a hodgepodge of furthering stories and giving us more character stuff on characters that we've already met and sometimes seen die. Yeah. In one very noticeable case, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, clone cadets and arc troopers are the beginnings of Domino Squadron. We have... I'm going to see if I can find all five clone cadets' names. I don't have them, but I know that it's Fives, Echo, Heavy, Droid Bait, and one more. You are missing Cut Up. Yep. Cut Up. Okay. So, five unique clones that all have fascinating stories throughout. Some of them shorter than others. But yeah, all of them are great. And these two episodes in particular give you a really interesting look at what clone life is like when they're not soldiers yet. Yeah. These episodes also give us, uh, is it, what, is it clone number 99? Is it brother 99? I think it's one of those cases where like Fives gets his name because his assigned number is CT275555. Yeah. So we do get the defective clone 99. I think that is uh, both his part of his designation and his nickname. And he is what they call a bad batcher, Mm -hmm. which will come back and be relevant in a few more seasons. But (laughs) he is incredibly important to Domino Squad and to the success of those characters. Because when we join them in the first episode... Uh, they're about to fail out of the training program and not be admitted to the Grand Army of the Republic. That's wild that the the concept of clones that don't make the cut. I, I believe the episode goes into this, but are they then just the clones that are running the facilities at Camino? Yeah, they get um, put on maintenance yeah. details. You clean up on you know the the Camino facility. Uh, they probably get janitor duty at like the barracks on Coruscant anywhere that's really safe and far away from the front somebody's got to scrub the toilets yeah yep which you can imagine when that's the alternative given everything they're raised and bred to do how badly they don't want to do that (laughs) that's an entire theme that the show will explore more and more and uh, other shows will explore what does a clone do that survives the clone wars when there is no call for it to, when when your literal life purpose is complete. But we're not there yet. Kind of outside of the Clone Wars, the Ahsoka live action show coming up very soon. I really, really hope that we get to see some more of Captain Rex in that show. Oh, I would love sure. live action Rex. I don't know if he'll be a character that is constantly tagging along with her, or if he just pops up here and there in a few episodes, I'm down for it either way. And get, uh, uh, what's his name? Tamora Morrison. Yes, get Tamora Morrison in there and bring him back. He's going to be a busy guy. (laughs) He is, he is. We won't go too deep into spoilers right now, I guess, but uh, he's been doing some really fascinating stuff recently. But we are getting way, 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 way ahead of ourselves. And we need to go back to September 24th, 2010, with the third episode in this called Supply Lines. 
with Ryloth under siege, a trapped Jedi master, I'm a Gundai, Aaron's favorite, <laughs> and his clone forces rally the local forces of Cham Syndulla. Elsewhere, the Jedi Council sends Bail Organa and Jar Jar Binks to go to Toydaria to ask King Katunko for aid to Ryloth. Mm-hmm. This is the one time you see Jar Jar Binks succeeding on purpose. And even though it's it's goofy and almost entirely improvised, he's just making it up as he goes along. King Katunko is put in a, a delicate position where he wants to be able to help the other neutral planet of Ryloth, but he has both the Republic and the Separatists in his royal court going, you can't get involved in this. If you get involved, that means you've picked a side. And it comes down to Jar Jar Binks providing dinner entertainment so that no one looks out a window to see a supply ship take off. Oh my god, that's right. (laughs) It's the most ridiculous plot. But it is Jar Jar doing something intentionally, and that thing works the way he meant it to. And it might be the only time we see that happen. Yeah. (laughs) Jar Jar being Jar Jar by distracting people, being over the top and weird. Jar Jar, we need you to go out there and just do exactly what you were born to do. He, like, juggles the dessert or something like that. It's it's ridiculous, but I guess he had to get one win. <laughs> God. This episode is a prequel to the first episode, Ambush, because Ambush is them protecting King Katunko from Ventress after he has made the decision to help Ryloth. This is all before that, when they're all still courting each other. And this is our second case in this season of this show doubling down on, like, here's a prequel story. Here's a story that attaches to something else. Yeah, and I think it's going to come up again. It's fascinating, I think, to see the home planet and the culture of Watto's people. Mm -hmm. Never did we expect to see that, I don't think, when you met that shady junk dealer on Tatooine. Yeah. I'm sure someone was like, where is he from? What's that place like? Well, that person got to find out. <laughs> and you especially don't expect it to be like a uh, humanitarian and righteous society that like, oh, yeah. they, they basically kicked him out because he was too greedy. Right. <laughs> but there you are. They all have wonderful, exquisite armor. Oh, yeah. That's very ornate. And Watto's wearing like a, a dirty vest. I love King Katunko's sword. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's good. He's this tiny little thing with this big sword for him, but it's like 12 inches long. But it's this jeweled hilt and this big curving swoop blade, and it's all ornate. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I don't think he ever uses it. <laughs> I thought he, like, tries to use it in an episode. Later in this season, if I recall, and it doesn't go well. Yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> The next episode in the season is Sphere of Influence. Uh-huh. Chairman Papa... Is it Papanoidia? Papanoida. Chairman Papanoida's family is kidnapped and held for ransom. Ahsoka must team up with the senator from Pantora, Rio Chuchi, to aid the new chairman in recovering his family before the Trade Federation can unduly influence the future of his planet. Uh, do you know who we get introduced to this episode? Who is that? We get introduced to Greedo. Oh, that's right. Yes, Greedo makes an appearance here. And he's kind of still a bum. Yeah. 
The thing that always stands out about this episode to me is one of the writers of the episode was George Lucas's oldest daughter, Katie. And Chairman Papanoida and his two daughters and one son are a complete self-insert of the Lucas family into Star Wars. Ah. So when you are watching this episode and this Senate delegate starts beating the crap out of people and whips out pistols and is bullseyeing guys from a hundred yards away and all that. And you're going, how did he learn to do all that? Well, that's George Lucas as written by his daughter. That all kind of starts to make sense. (laughs) She John Wayne him. (laughs) Well, well, you know, Katie, I really, really like this episode. You know, it would make it really great if we just made it a movie. The Papa Noida movie. (laughs) Well, Papa Noida is featured in Revenge of the Sith. Oh, he is. As played by George Lucas, makes an appearance standing outside of the aquatic ballet that uh, Palpatine and Anakin go to. He's blue. He's wearing a tall hat. One of his daughters is with him in costume. I believe that daughter is Katie. Yeah, and her dad, George, are in Revenge of the Sith, standing frame left, just sort of like nodding to each other. They're like, "Mm mm-hmm, this show's gonna be good. I'll bet people swim in the ball of water and swim out of the ball of water. Well, then we get Corruption and the Academy, Mm -hmm. which are, again, just weird episodes, because you get the, you go back to Mandalore, and we get Satine cries again, Mm -hmm. and... While she's very intelligent and in control, she allows herself to be emotional, but she doesn't freak out over anything in those first episodes. She's almost completely the opposite in these episodes. Yeah. The whole overarching plot of these two episodes, as you maybe could have guessed by the title of episode five, Corruption, is corruption in the Mandalorian government, which is trying to stay neutral trying to stay out of the war. It's just weird to see this character, which in in the one instance is so well-written, get turned completely around. Well, children are getting poisoned. Oh, yeah. They're like, oh, all of our children are dropping dead. And uh, uh, the, the breakdown for the next episode, The Academy, is Ahsoka is assigned as a teacher at the Cadet Academy on Mandalore while covertly investigating the corruption inside Satine's administration. Soon after she arrives, Zatine's zealous nephew Corky and his classmates uncover a nefarious plot. That nefarious plot is all of their their friends are getting poisoned by this big company, benefiting off of the corruption from the previous episode. Oh yeah, because they do that weird drink, and they bring it into the school system because they're trying to sell a cheaper soft drink with materials that make people sick if it's not done right. And it's the, um, oh... It is a crime syndicate, and I am trying to think of their name. The issue with the the neutrality of Chancellor Satine and trying to stay out of the war is they can't get supplies from the Republic or the Separatists, because Mandalore is essentially a dead planet. So they're having to bring in all the necessary supplies to keep their civilization running on the black market. Yeah. So we do, yeah, we have this, I can't remember what they were called either, but we have this criminal element that's bringing all this stuff in. And they're paying the dock workers off. And this, they call it a T in the episode synopsis, but it's like a, it's like a health beverage, like what, like a kale smoothie type, get all your vitamins in one bottle situation. 
except they're putting some weird chemical in it because it makes it cheaper to produce, I guess, by adding an ingredient. But yeah, no, Corky goes and he figures out, him and his classmates, figure all of this out, tell the authorities. The authorities go, oh, you kids are so smart, but you're up too late. Go to bed. You have class in the morning. And they go full Hardy Boys and in true adult fashion. What are you doing? You're children. <laughs> full Hardy Boys is a great description. And then when they do take them the slightest bit seriously, the adults, instead of sending authorities to uncover the plot, Satine takes Padme and they go by themselves. And when they find the warehouse full of poisonous chemical and all the evidence they need to prove it was not our administration being corrupt, these are your criminals, Satine orders the warehouse to be burnt to the ground. And this is in an effort to just keep Mandalore neutral, is that correct? Well, it's to avoid becoming dependent on either side of the war. So that, yeah, so that she doesn't have to join. That Corky, he is a he is a talented youth. Talented gosh, you sound like an old man. He is a brownish red haired <laughs> I'm I, I don't have the right words to go into this bit, but uh there there's some there's some fan suspicions about Corky's origin. Are we going into the conspiracy? Are we gonna do this? Yeah. I mean, it's it's 100% that. It's conspiracy. Okay, hit us with the sauce. Uh, you know, Satine and Obi-Wan did spend a lot of time together in the past. Oh. And that quirky <laughs> kid has interesting sort of wavy red-brown hair. That's, uh, that's her. It, uh, it's almost like Obi-Wan not paying attention to what Anakin and Padme do, do in their free time and being like, I don't know where Anakin is. He does his own thing. I don't care. <laughs> maybe maybe Obi-Wan doesn't know. Corky refers to Satine as his aunt. Mm-hmm. He refers to Satine's sister, Bo-Katan, as his aunt. Mm-hmm. We never meet a third sister in that family. We don't know of any other siblings. And he really does look like if you took like one of those bad AI what would your baby look like creators and uploaded <laughs> <laughs> uploaded the models of Satine and Obi-Wan. Hmm. Let's just mash these two things together and see what the computer does with them. Okay, now we have this child modeled. Alright, he's going to run around and lead the Hardy Boys on this adventure while the adults <laughs> tell him not to. I think he even does the Obi-Wan chin stroke thing a couple of times without ever having met Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> this is a genetic suspicion. As as oddball a character as he is, I would love to see Corky Cries pop back up in the Ahsoka show. I expect more from Corky. Oh, yeah. Let's give yep. him a shot. Absolutely. Better yet, pop him up in Kenobi and confirm the fan theory that he is the child. <laughs> God, how will the Star Wars fandom populace respond? Uh, that that I guess they're already. This will be a Star Wars show, so it's not like dropping him into a movie. If you're watching this show, you could potentially already be watching other Star Wars Disney Plus shows. But uh, yeah, if you dropped Corky into a movie, madness. <laughs> madness people rioting in the streets <laughs> all of a sudden we got this weird jedi being like oh yeah obi-wan was my dad who is this guy wait a second <laughs> i would be here for it i would love to see it <laughs> yeah corky as played by ewan mcgregor the the corky story starring ewan mcgregor 
Con. <laughs> well, you can make his brother play him. Yeah, he does have a brother. Yeah, he's got a twin. <laughs> does Does he have a twin brother? Yeah, are they twins? And his call sign. Yeah, they're, I, th- I thought they were. Tw- well, it may not be twins, but they're brothers. And you know what his call sign is, right? For yeah, it's Ob Two. I should have just let you have that one. Sorry, I shot that down. <laughs> but yes, I do know Taylor that. Taylor being like, I, I kind of ruined your setup there, but uh, my bad. Here's the punchline anyway. Sorry. Uh, Ian McGregor's brother is in the, I believe, British Air Force, and his call sign is OB-2. He's an RAF fighter pilot, and I don't know if those skills translate to portraying a Star Wars character, but, you know, we, we could give it a shot. I don't know. While we're... Off the beaten path, talking about Ian McGregor's lineage, uh, his uncle is um, um, Ben. If you know it, cut me off. I did it to you, and I'm forgetting his name. No, I'm I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Aaron, I'm really waiting on you here. I have no idea. Ugh. He is the only starfighter that was at all of the Death Star explosions. Wedge Antilles? Yeah, the actor that plays Wedge Antilles is Ian McGregor's like God-given uncle. No huh. way! Never would have guessed that. I'm checking this to double check myself. <laughs> yes, um, Ewan McGregor's uncle Dennis Lawson played Wedge Antilles in Star Wars. Huh? Wow! I love that. Um, you should insert the Obi Wan Kenobi uh hello there. Hello there. At that point, it'll pop up somewhere. Right now. Hello there. It's, I mean, it, it just made an appearance right there. I just decided. <laughs> but is there a more, where did, where did you want it to go? From? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> just when you said that, that was his uncle. Okay. You, you can, you can cut this. Taylor just leaves all of this in just to punk Ben. No, I'm leaving every bit of this oh. because we're going <laughs> to drop it right, right here one more time. Hello there. <laughs> This is the price you pay when I learn how to edit audio. It's gonna be great. <laughs> All right, so we're on to the episode. To, to this one, <laughs> assassin with Ahsoka Tano, <laughs> having visions of yes. Padme being assassinated. Oh yeah, it goes right down the hill in the next episode, doesn't it? Yeah, she's having visions of bounty hunter Ora Singh assassinating Senator Amidala. And these are the episodes Assassin and Evil Plans. And mm-hmm. to the credit of the art direction team for this, the way they portray her Force visions lines up exactly with what you see Anakin having his Force visions in Attack of the Clones movie. Yeah, yeah, the like warpy edges. Yeah. The, like, sort of force tunnel vision. They keep that consistent throughout the movies and into this show. And it was just a really nice, a nice touch, a nice detail for anyone who'd been paying attention. You instantly knew what was happening to her. Yeah, that that consistency is really nice to see. While we're on, like, actual physical details of Star Wars media... That's something that I think this show does a great job of, keeping some of that stuff consistent. Like what you were talking about, Aaron, the frilly edges that let you know you're in a force vision. Um, they also have some of the uh, the like side wipes that George Lucas loved so much. Yeah. Um, a lot of their like big, long shots sort of pan up similarly. Yeah, it's, it's nice to see those kinds of uh, technical tropes being repeated in the show. Yeah. 
makes it feel like one consistent universe. Agreed. Yeah, definitely. I don't think anything's more disruptive than like changing things like that and having like inconsistencies. Well, even from season to season, because in season three you see another marked jump in animation quality. The character yeah. models are more fleshed out and more detailed. The lighting comes from better, more consistent sources. The shadows are deeper instead of just looking sort of off-colored and flat. They have, again, you know, it's big leaps in technology and then big leaps by the art and production teams to harness that new technology that they're working with and really make the best thing that they can out of it. And by season three, you get well, the final season. Seven has the best animation by a long shot but what you see in season three is what is going to lead into that and doing the best they could do with what was happening in animation technology in 2010 yeah yep i believe it's this episode i don't know if it's a future one but at some point aura sing says to ahsoka in, in reference to Padme, she is going to die and there is going to be nothing you can do about it. And that's yes. so painful because it's true. Mm-hmm. It's not Aura Singh that causes Padme's death, but she does die in a way that Ahsoka would be powerless to stop from happening. Yeah. And I'm sure that at some point Ahsoka found that out and ugh, just those writers getting you again. I forgot about that detail, but yeah, no, that's a fantastic bit of foreshadowing and a great tie-in to the saga, the main saga. Yeah. There is, and you'll have to forgive me, we can add it to the show notes or something, I'll come up with the uh, name of the TikToker who creates these videos, but I'm following her account. She has, I think it's like a 13-part series now of Ahsoka meeting Luke and Leia and R2 and they're chatting about everything that happened from like where Ahsoka leaves in Rebels to uh, what happens at the end of Return of the Jedi and they even bring in Force Ghost, Obi-Wan and eventually Anakin Okay, nice and it's great because the way she's writing the whole thing obviously it's done in short video format and it's meant to be funny but it also is really true to what the characters would be doing. They try to summon Force Ghost Anakin and he won't show up. So Obi-Wan goes to check on him and says, he doesn't want to come because he says Ahsoka's going to yell at him. And she <laughs> says, I'm not going to yell at him, just get him in here. And then he shows up and she goes, Anakin Skywalker! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. Send that to us. Uh, we'll I'll, figure that I'll out. put that in the show notes, absolutely. The, the next episode, Evil Plans, has one of my absolute favorite Clone Wars bits. And it's definitely <laughs> one aimed for children. So yeah. I'm glad you, you know like if it. there if you could like pull the audience, it's Taylor and a bunch of kids sitting and laughing and then the adults being like, Ugh. but uh, the the official synopsis for Evil Plans is while on an important shopping trip on Coruscant, C-3PO and R2-D2 are kidnapped by the sinister bounty hunter Cad Bane in the dastardly plot to free Zero the Hut, And, like, R2 finds a droid spa. 
<laughs> and I feel like for the first time in Star Wars is appreciated. And R2, R2 is like a cat getting pet. Like, R2's loving it. C-3PO gets kidnapped and is, like, actively being tortured in, like, brutal ways. And you just cut back and forth between, like, C-3PO having his eyes removed and R2 getting, like, buffed with, like, a high school, (laughs) like, hallway buffer. (laughs) He's getting the droid equivalent of the hot towel while he gets a shave. Exactly. While 3 is getting waterboarded. And somehow these two episodes, Evil Plans and Hunt for Zero, we talk about chronological versus airing order. They tie in with the final episode in airing order of season one, Hostage Crisis. <laughs> yeah, because this is where we're freeing Zero the Hut. Yeah. The theory that I have heard is uh, they wanted to put something at the end of season one to be uh big and exciting and be like hey come back for season two it's gonna be cool too so they threw in the bounty hunters and they introduced mm. cad bane and aura Singh, and they're like look we have so many more cool characters keep watching the show please <laughs> that checks out i mean that that absolutely checks out to me the, the 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 whole order of things was messed up from the start because george came in and was like we're making a movie uh, give me these four episodes, tape them together. So whatever they had planned for an an order of things was thrown off. Yeah. So they were all they were already working with scraps. Yeah, he kind of shows up in uh, later parts of this season too, and sort of does that again, except it's not way out of order and it's really good. But we'll get to that. Almost there. Anybody else have anything on on this episode? Uh, evil plans or. Wait, did we talk about Hunt for Zero? No, we just talked about Evil Plans. We haven't really talked about Hunt for Zero, where we get introduced to uh, the only Jedi to ever quote the Big Lebowski, Quinlan Voss. Yeah. <laughs> Obi-Wan can't stand him. I don't remember that. When he first shows up, he does like a double backflip out of the landing craft instead of waiting for it to touch down. And Obi-Wan says something sassy. He's like... If you were half as good at keeping a schedule as you were at sticking landings, we wouldn't be, you'd be on time. And Quinlan Voss, who is this, like, he's young and he's, he's fit, but he's like just as much of a hippie dude as Qui-Gon was. He walks up, he brushes his hair out of his face and he goes, that's just like your opinion, man. <laughs> good. I was trying to guess what quote it was, and I was like, does he stick the landing and be like, Jedi abide? <laughs> <laughs> Not in this episode, but I'm Obi-Wan sure it tells got him cut off, somewhere. And he's like, over the line! <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> Another character in this, uh, in this episode making her Clone Wars debut, I guess, but originally appearing back in Return of the Jedi is... Jabba's singer, Cy Snoodles. Hmm. You're going to have to forgive the clicking because I need to look up what species she is supposed to be. Oh, yeah. Please get us that information. (laughs) But Cy Snoodles is the solo singer in Jabba's Palace when we get to it in Return of the Jedi. She 
scorned lover of uh, Zero the Hut, and she's helping him escape, and she's helping him get away from Obi Wan and Quinlan Vos, and uh, yeah, it it doesn't end well. Uh, listen, folks, be good to your lovers. Don't uh, uh, don't leave them, you know, with a huge bail or jail time or something like that. <laughs> I don't remember what Zero Hut did to her, but don't do that. He makes her mad, and she gets what she wants from him, and then shoots him and takes off. Yeah. Yep. Truman Capote out. <laughs> but then we get a very cool scene where Quinlan and Obi-Wan find the body, and they're like, ah, Cad Bane must have killed him, and Cad Bane is there. And he just says, it wasn't me, it's too sloppy. <laughs> terrible impression of cad bane but you know i'm not cory burton yeah and then you get a great fight between the three of them i remember that being a really really good fight cad bane is kitted out much like most of the mandalorians we see he has got a whole arsenal ready to go to fight jedi because he knows he can't just do it hand to hand and Mm -hmm. he holds his own he doesn't win but he gets away I think that's the one thing I appreciate about them introducing Cad Bane. Cad Bane was a good foil and nemesis for the Jedi in these earlier seasons. He's really good. You know, obviously you have like the fight between Jango and Obi-Wan in Attack of the Clones. Jango is just a, a great martial artist, a great fighter. Cad Bane knows how Jedi think. And he is extremely good at exploiting their predictability. Yep. That's fun to watch. He's a character that uh, I hope we get to see more of. Mm-hmm. I'll go on record and say that he's going to pop up, I believe, in Book, in of, Book Boba of Boba Fett. Fett. Yeah, I think. But we'll see if I'm right. I hope so. That'll be thrilling. <laughs> I hope it happens. Um, Our next episode is called Heroes on Both Sides. When the Senate begins debate on a bill that would eliminate government oversight of the banking clan's activities, kids show, remember, (laughs) Padme and Ahsoka travel in secret to the capital of the Confederacy of Independent Systems in an attempt to forge a peace agreement with the Separatists. However, after both the Republic and Separatists agree to have a peace conference, Dooku orders General Grievous to dispatch a group of droids to launch a terrorist attack on Coruscant, resulting in a failure of peace. This kind of ties in with one of the ones we were talking about last time around, where they just took the whole situation with the Afghan and Iraq wars and just sprinkled some Star Wars flavoring on top and showed it to kids. (laughs) (laughs) i i think it also hits at um a little bit of an older issue too i think it hits at like the red scare of the 50s absolutely and there's a lot of like padme you're saying things that sound very separatist should we blacklist you yeah and you know senators that senator is a, a traitor um and padme for what it's worth is sneaking around behind closed doors talking to senators from the confederacy but it's all in an effort to build peace well and the whole reason she has to sneak around to speak with a delegate from the separatists is because they've made it illegal you bring up the red scare and mccarthyism they straight up made it illegal to talk to separatists sort of puts a damper on things when it comes to any kind of political negotiation 
what a great piece of children's entertainment this is <laughs> this is why there are podcasts about it um i'm not remembering the terrorist attack that grievous dispatches um is it just droids blowing stuff up is it does anybody have it that's actually kind of hilarious he has uh there are these like street sweeper droids that run all around Coruscant and keep things at least on the upper levels clean. And he has some modified ones that each have half of an explosive charge that when combined will go off. And so they just sort of do their thing, pretending to sweep the streets until it's time to launch the attack. And they just <laughs> slam into each other and blow up all the subtlety you would expect from General Grievous. Yeah, yeah well, that's the droid killer himself. I want to see the deleted scene where <laughs> because you you hear little bits of it here and there grievous smashes a droid because it irritates him and dooku will snap at him and be like those droids are expensive i want to see the deleted scene where it's like grievous gets called into dooku's office and he just has a bunch of excel spreadsheets <laughs> sitting on the desk <laughs> you've cost us 17 percent of our operating budget this quarter I have been going over the figures, General Grievous, and I am disappointed. <laughs> you have failed me for the last like... time. <laughs> <laughs> He's actively, like, electrocuting him and being like, Have you seen these numbers? <laughs> 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 the board is going to be very disappointed. <laughs> Grievous is just like, Kenobi! Hello there. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, I believe it. Um... The next episode is Pursuit of Peace. Um, Senators Padme Amidala, Bail Organa, and Anaconda Far push against a new bill in the Senate to buy new clones for the Republic. But someone does not like their opposition and tries to dissuade them. Again, you know, lots of political wheeling and dealing in this kid's show. But it just the real-life parallels are, I think, in my opinion, too important to leave out. Oh, definitely. These might not be the most dramatic and exciting and action-packed episodes, but they're important episodes. Oh, yeah. I'm a big fan of any time you can get Bail Organa on screen. Also true. Get him out there. He's going to be doing the right thing. He's going to be standing up for what's right, trying to actively argue on behalf of those who need him to argue for them because this is the man that raises leia so yeah give me more of him when he walked into rogue one i gasped yeah oh that was such a good <laughs> bit we're, we were expecting you know like original era cameos and then bail organa comes in and is like i have a friend maybe i should send him a message and i was like <gasps> i know who that friend is yes that was everything about that movie was awesome but the there's like three or four characters that pop up real quick in the final few sequences that tie it back in and go yep we're we're getting back to original star wars now and they're all it's great <laughs> literally right back to yeah. it right now almost shot for shot ah <laughs> uh, we'll we'll talk about rogue one when we get there that'll be that'll be a very exciting episode That'll be a hard one to keep at under an hour and a half. I was just going to say, I have a feeling that Rogue One is going to end up being another two-part episode. Oh, yeah. What? Us take too long on an episode? Never. <laughs> what? Us long-winded and say too many things about things we love? We should. It's like we should start a podcast or something. <laughs> 
Oh boy. Okay. Um, the next episode is called Night Sisters. And what a tremendous group of characters to meet. I like this edition because it added non-Jedi or Sith force wielders that are active into the Star Wars like ecosystem. Yeah, a different approach to using the force. Oh, absolutely. At the time, I think this might have been our first look at that. We've got a couple other ones since then. But yeah, to see a third party come in and they use the force as witches Mm -hmm. uh, with, you know, green spooky gas and reanimating the dead and all sorts of good stuff. Just another wonderful corner of Star Wars to explore that we've never seen before. Exactly. The way they handle... So the leader of the Night Sisters is a powerful witch called Mother Talzand. And the the editing... First of all, the vocal performance by the voice actors is fantastic. But then the editing that they put on that after the fact, they add this like resonance and this deep bass, like... Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Constant monotone underneath. Like demon she, voice behind her. It's, it's a kid's show, and this the Mother Townsend voice, like, if you play that to me, like, when it, the lights are off in my house, I'm like, what? I'm gone. Bye. Genuinely nah. terrifying. Mm. <laughs> she, if I'm not mistaken, was the original concept art for Darth Maul. Oh. And they were like, nope, pass, too scary. Give us the demon horn face man. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know? I could see that. I could see that. Let me see. So is this a two-parter? It's a trilogy, actually. Oh, it's a trilogy. Okay, yeah. Night Sisters, Monster, and Witches of the Mist. You get to watch Mother Talzin really playing the long game. Because Ventress has been cast aside by Dooku. He says, you are no longer my apprentice. Uh, Tries to have her killed. She gets away. She goes back home to Dathomir and... Turns out Mother Talzin and the Night Sisters have some beef with the Sith too. I mean, as most people do. They're like, <laughs> hey, we're done with you. One would expect. Time to die. Well, Palpatine literally stole Maul. Mm. Yes. Well, they, you, like I said, you see her playing the long game because she helps Asajj Ventress in an assassination attempt. They go after Dooku, and she gives her this dart that's got poison on it that will dull his senses, Uh, but she also gives them Jedi lightsabers so that he thinks he's been attacked by Jedi. When these guys, they go invisible, they blind him with the dart, and then attack him with green and blue lightsabers. He gets away, but why would you bother convincing him that jedi are attacking him if you think the assassination is going to work to cover your tracks just in case then she's already setting the next part of the plan in motion she contacts dooku was like hey i heard somebody tried to kill you and he's like how did you know that and she's like i know these things and he doesn't question it after that so she brings him to dathomir where they have taken one of the males Dathomir is a matriarchal society. The males live separately and are only interacted with when they are needed. So they hold a contest among the males and this, uh, (laughs) oh, his name, this male named Savage Opress is selected to be uh, the stand-in to be Dooku's new apprentice. Oh, I think it's interesting because this is the first time we see where Zabrax come from. Yeah, Darth Maul's species as a whole. Dathomir is creepy. 
Dathomir is a nightmare planet. And this character, uh, Savage Opress, is a brother to Darth Maul. Quick tangent, he is also voiced by Clancy Brown, who made his Star Wars live-action debut in The Mandalorian. Uh, he plays the big hulking strong Deveronian who gets like a door shut on his head oh, wow. in uh in season one. Oh yeah yeah that's the voice actor for savage press huh. i did not know that mr clancy brown you will also know as mr krebs oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's he's been in a lot we don't have time to list all the things that he's been in he yeah he's done a lot of stuff for like other disney properties too but yeah, in continuation of the long con, they they do some dark side magic on Savage Opress. They make him huge. He gets like full Steve Rogers super soldier serum treatment. And then some. And, and then some, yeah. And with dark side powers to boot, Dooku starts training him up to be his new apprentice. And then Ventress shows up, does the little counter charm whatever thing to kick in the programming that the night sisters put into him with all the magic and everything and they attack dooku who gets away again but when he comes back to mother talzin a second time having failed to kill dooku she goes no no it's all right it's all right we have a bigger goal in mind you're going to go find your brother maul and we get an awesome ending scene in the last bit of witches of the mist looking into a crystal ball at the deranged face of darth maul hiding somewhere and and that's when we get to bring him back into this show. I don't think he actually comes back until the fourth season, but we tease that he is coming back. Yeah, they don't touch on him again until the very end of, I believe, season four. But, uh, so that's January 21st, 2011, this episode airs. So when we talk about Maul being back, maybe that's a spoiler, maybe it's not. We are now past 10 years that uh, Maul has been back. <laughs> That's yeah. a pretty old spoiler. All right. Are we ready to go into the next uh, trilogy part of the season? We get to do two trilogies in a row. I think we go three. It goes triple trilogies because it does Night Sister mm-hmm. and Mortis, and then it does the Citadel. It's the next trilogy after yeah. that. Oh, yeah, it does. So this is the Mortis trilogy commonly held up as one of the shining high points of the clone wars it's interesting because it really doesn't have any implications within the clone wars show but then if you get further on you get into rebels they bring it back up and it becomes important again i would be shocked to see if it doesn't come up in the ahsoka live show i would love it to be in the new ahsoka show and um acolyte or in Obi-Wan. Given what happens to Ahsoka in this arc, I think it has to come up. But let's get into that. Yeah, Overlords is interesting because it's like they're just taken into the ship and they're like, hey, who are you guys? It's it, it's literally the mystic Borg cube of the Star Wars universe floating around out there. And a clone battalion finds it and they're like, hey, what's this? And it eats Obi-Wan and Anakin and Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. So there are three entities, and the first one we meet is called the Daughter. And one of my favorite Obi-Wan things that he does in this show, getting off of their ship, they're trying to figure out where they are, and this, like, seven-foot-tall, ethereal, long blonde hair, faintly glowing, wispy, willowy woman walks up to them. 
and Obi-Wan Kenobi just goes, hello there. Hello. He has a type, and she is it. (laughs) (laughs) Obi-Wan Kenobi sees her coming and is like, are you an angel? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But we find out that she is the daughter, uh, and then we are taken to meet the father and eventually the son, and they are, as George Lucas puts it, they are force deities. The daughter is the embodiment of the light, the son the embodiment of the dark, and the father is the embodiment of balance. And they hang out here trapped on Mortis. You guys talk more. I'm going to see if I can't find like a a canon description for what Mortis is. Okay. As Anakin is talking to the father, uh, we also see Obi-Wan talk with Force Ghost Qui-Gon Jinn. Yes, all three of them are given cryptic visions. Obi-Wan speaks with Qui-Gon Jinn, voiced by Liam Neeson. Love that. Uh, and he asks him, you know, did you, did you do as I asked? Did you train the boy? And they go into what that's going to entail. But Qui-Gon also explains what Mortis is, and he explains that it is an amplifier and a magnet for the Force. Yeah, and he warns that it is very dangerous for Anakin to be there. Mm-hmm. I've got a Wikipedia definition for what Mortis is. Shoot, Taylor. What's your definition? And it says, Mortis was an ethereal realm within the Force, which was whispered over in legends and stories passed down through the millennia by Jedi, Sith, and the average spacer alike. It was believed to have existed outside any star system and potentially the galaxy, or even the universe. Which lines up with how they get there and how they leave. Mm -hmm. They just sort of do a blinding flash of light and wake up somewhere else sort of thing. But yeah, um, they get there and they all have their ghost talk with the Force. Uh, Obi-Wan talks to Qui-Gon. Anakin talks to his mother, as voiced by her actor from The Phantom Menace, Pernilla August. And I don't remember who Ahsoka talks to. Ahsoka talks to herself. She gets a vision of uh, Ahsoka from the future and her whole thing is she is trying to send a warning to herself of you have to get away from Anakin and if you continue to train under him you will fall to the dark side with him. Hmm. Hmm. Mm, that's right. A lot of heavy stuff in these episodes to then not really get used for like the next six or seven years. Yeah, this, this is early. This is 2011. Disney hadn't even picked it up yet. Yeah. After we go from there, we go into the next one. The Altar of Mortis. Before the Jedi can leave Mortis, the son takes Ahsoka captive in an attempt to entice Anakin into joining him, to use their combined strength to overpower his father and sister. To this end, the son casts Ahsoka under the spell of the dark side, and she battles Anakin when he comes to rescue her, and later battles with Obi-Wan. After a battle between the son and the daughter, stopped by the father, Ahsoka steals the dagger that controls the son, the son is about to kill the father, 
but the daughter sacrifices herself to save the father and returns Ahsoka to normal as well by the daughter transferring her life to Ahsoka. Well, can, can I do a quick mention? The son turns into a Dobby-looking creature. Oh, yeah, he does, doesn't he? They call him a gargoyle. Doesn't he end up turning into, like, a giant bat at one point, too? Yes. And she turns... Does the, does the daughter turn into something? She turns into a griffin. Yeah, because she has the owl as a yeah. pet, and that's what the daughter is always seen with, is the owl. Which is why the owl ends up following Ahsoka around several times. Exactly. This episode in particular is really interesting because there's a lot of mirroring. You know, George Lucas loves to say Star Wars is poetry. It rhymes. There's a lot of rhyme in this and what's going to end up happening in Revenge of the Sith later on down the road. Yep. Um, intense to see a dark side Ahsoka. Yeah. You know, running around being evil. And really putting the work in on Anakin and Obi-Wan. Yeah, definitely. It lends itself to there's power in the dark side. And we didn't even really talk about the dagger of Mortis. The dagger that has the ability... Because we missed we missed an important detail. Oh yeah, is it the Anakin controlling both of them? Well, that... But that is something we can go into when we come back around to these and do a deep dive. But it's worth noting... They have no way of killing these Force deities because Anakin brandishes his lightsaber at the father in the first episode and the father grabs the blade and pushes it back into the hilt. Yeah. So this dagger that can actually kill them becomes extremely important. And then Ahsoka steals it because she's dark-sided and gives it to the sun. Yeah. I remember when the trailer for The Rise of Skywalker... Uh, was rolling around and people were like is that the dagger from mortis and no it wasn't but damn if it would have been ah if it would have been um the final episode in this trilogy is called ghosts of mortis the uh, episode synopsis on this one reads the Jedi remain stranded on Mortis, and the sun, aligned with the dark side of the Force, renews his efforts to convert Anakin as the Jedi prepare for a decisive confrontation. To turn Anakin to the dark side, the sun shows Anakin future images of himself, causing so much pain and death as the Sith Lord Darth Vader. This works, and Anakin joins the sun out of fear that what he saw would actually happen. Ahsoka disables the ship upon hearing that Anakin joined the sun and leaves to help Obi-Wan find the father. The father later confronts Anakin and erases his memory of the terrible vision the sun had shown him. When the sun tries to kill the father, the father steals the sword and uses it to kill himself, taking away his son's power, allowing Anakin to kill the sun and restore the balance. The last thing the father says is to Anakin that he is the chosen one and that he has brought balance to this world. Mm -hmm. Which, while technically true, he did it by killing everybody who lived there. <laughs> Anakin doing a little bit of stabby McStab stab there. Just a little bit. <laughs> and if that isn't prophetic of the way Anakin continues to be and is the chosen one. He just fixes all of his problems with genocide. Yeah. No witnesses. He only killed three people, but they were the only three people. Deities. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
technically the daughter's not dead. In a roundabout sort of way. From a certain point of view. She's an embodiment of the living force now. Uh-huh. But yeah, that's the that's the Mortis trilogy. The the visions that uh, Anakin gets shown in this one are so good and sad and and dark. He he has that moment in like a dark storm and you see Vader's helmet come out of the clouds and it's good. And they hit that Imperial March. Anytime that Imperial March can show up in the prequels, ah, it's always good. Uh, well, that puts us next onto the Citadel trilogy. This was a good one, too. I feel like it it had a hard time following up the act that was the Mortis arc, but it did as good a job as anything could have. I like um, the, the weird little bits and bobs that get used in here. We get to see even Peel being a Jedi, and that's something I, I've always wanted to see. He's in the final shot of Phantom Menace, uh, standing beside Yoda, and he's got his gnarly little scar across his eye, and, you know, I want more of that guy. I love the character model, and I love the accent that the voice actor comes up with for him, too. Yeah, he's got, like, a gnarly Russian... He's got this, like, almost Russian sort of, like, I am Jedi Master. This is not the first super prison to hold me. <laughs> we'll put a couple of clips of him in there to see how bad we are Gosh. at that. It takes more than they got to break me, young Skywalker. So you have the coordinates for the Nexus route. I got them all right. Half of them anyway. My captain's got the other half. If there was ever a Jedi who would offer you, like, a shot of vodka, it's coming <laughs> from even Peel. Drink this, good for hike. <laughs> they're just they're riding in on one of the LAATs, getting ready for a battle, and he just takes a pull off of this skin. It's like, what is that? Good for fighting. <laughs> Chawa juice. Uh, no. <laughs> um, and then we also get Tarkin in this one. We do. Young Captain Tarkin with brown hair. Is really uh, super not into pretty much all of the Jedi except Anakin. Anakin shows up and just murders the crap out of a couple of droids, and Tarkin's like, hmm, where have you been? More of this, please. I can appreciate the cold efficiency of your murder skills, Skywalker. <laughs> I prefer to do mine with giant machines. Yeah. I think the fun part of this episode is how they sneak into the Citadel. Enlighten us, because I do not remember. Carbonite. They freeze themselves in carbonite. Oh, that's oh, yeah. right. Because they, it's a, like, if there's any, like, life signs coming in, they'll, like, shut down, and it's, like, impossible to get into. So the, I think it was Anakin's idea to be like, hey, we could freeze ourselves in carbonite to get past their defenses. That sounds absolutely insane enough to be an Anakin plan. This also leads to... Vader being aware that Carbonite will keep someone alive in Empire. And yeah, little little tie-ins here and there. Lovely stuff. You get one of the weirdest looking characters in Star Wars too. Oh yeah. The the warden of the prison is uh his species is called a Findian. He looks like a weirdly like pale green like clown thing. His name is Osi Sobek. And he even as an adult watching this episode creeped me the hell out. Oh yeah. He's he's weird looking. 
and he's his body is like really long and he kind of hunches and his arms go down to like his knees when he walks so he's got that creepy like really long walk cycle and yeah he's just he's weird Mm-hmm. I'm I'm looking into his information, and he is voiced by James Arnold Taylor, who also voices Obi Wan in the Clone Wars. Oh, interesting! Did not know that. Uh, it says O.C. Sebek was voiced by James Arnold Taylor. Taylor voicing multiple characters in the trilogy was addressed in an inside joke, where Kenobi comments on Sebek's voice. According to Taylor, Sebek's voice is a combination of Christopher Walken and a little Al Pacino. <laughs> you know that tracks and and you mentioned him being a warden i don't think we've even really talked about the fact that the prison we're breaking them out of is a prison built for jedi oh yeah yeah we hadn't mentioned that it's full of like D dungeon style traps and like random pitfalls and all this kind of stuff and in fact at one point they send out a pack of, of some kind of wild animal they do don't they end up sneaking out through the through the sewers is that how they or no they they come out like climbing out of a cliff wall or something i'm not remembering this they come out there there is like a landing pad and like a small airfield and they come out there because that is where they have several arc troopers on this mission with them and one of them is echo who we have been following from domino squad and echo makes a move to try and secure a ship to get them off the planet and he gets blown up yep oh yeah i forgot about that this is where, yeah, this is where we lose Arc Trooper Echo, who at this point, the only member of Domino Squad who's left is Fives. Uh, was he under Plo Koon? Because I know Plo Koon swoops in at the end of this to get them all out of there. They're not ever assigned to a battalion. Domino Squadron, after they finish their training, they get sent to a battle station. Droid Bait, Cut Up, and Heavy all die there, but Fives and Echo are made ARC troopers and assigned to Anakin and the 501st. I can go on about that. Okay, that checks out. <laughs> um, any, any other final thoughts on that episode? Interesting episode to watch, especially the, uh, we didn't talk much about it, but we will, the relation between Anakin and Tarkin that starts forming. Yeah. This is where they first meet each other, and obviously that ends up being uh, something that goes on up until Tarkin gets blown up on the Death Star. Evacuate now? In our moment of triumph? I think you underestimate, or overestimate. (laughs) I think you underestimate them. Get my ship ready. (laughs) (laughs) We should have been gone. Let's go, let's go. (laughs) um the next episode is padawan lost uh this is a two-parter padawan lost and wookie hunt padawan lost ahsoka gets captured by trandoshans during a battle on the planet felucia they drop her off on a planet where they intend to hunt her and others for sport ahsoka encounters three jedi younglings named khalifa jinx and omer who she teams up with to survive the next day, they set out to escape the Trandoshans, but are found and hunted. The lead Trandoshan's son is accidentally killed, and in revenge, his father shoots and kills Khalifa. Ahsoka promises to take care of the other two younglings as Khalifa dies. These hmm. synopses are, are get deep. 
<laughs> they pick random details to just give everything away on and then other details to not mention at all. Yeah, I think it's interesting because this is very much like the most dangerous games style of storytelling with Trinidotians being these predator types. Absolutely. Those are the two pieces of work I was actually going to mention. The greatest game and Predator. Because you get out there and you realize they're hunting you and you hide. And then uh, they're blending in and they're sneaking around and they're being creepy lizard people. Don't the Trandoshans it's, it's even great. use infrared scopes at one point to find where they're hiding? Yes. Yes, they do. They use the Predator infrared site? Yep. You also get to use that when you're Bosk in Battlefront 2, so oh, yes. <laughs> so canon confirmed. And then you get a great piece of fan service where a new captive gets dropped off, and it's Chewbacca. Yep, Chewbacca shows up, and I remember the crash of the ship that he's in is great. I remember really liking it and being like, oh wow, they've upped their effects, because it's it's instead of just a ship like crashing into the planet... They very much have it be like they've taken out the pilot, so it just spins limply until it, like, smashes into the beach. Yeah. And they start releasing everybody. There's a lot of good shots and good effects in these episodes. Oh, yeah. The end of the season just shows the change. You see how dirty they are. Previously, they didn't do, like, dirt and grime very well, and now we've got this new added feature from the animation team. We have more layers of texture to add to the models, not only to make the lines on them look better and cleaner, but yeah, you can add extra effects like that. It's, it's great. I remember that the Trandoshan leader's ship has a room on it that's like his trophy room. Yes. And I remember that it is just packed full of references. Mm-hmm. There oh, are wampas on the wall. There are tauntauns. There's rancor. If there's a Star Wars creature you know about, Trandoshans have killed it. This episode also does a lot to further the feud between the Trandoshans and the Wookiees. Mm. That's from some of the old media. I believe it started in the West End Games uh, role-playing stuff. The Trandoshans and Wookiees do not like each other because of exactly these sorts of reasons that they hunt each other. Lizard people and Bigfoot people don't get along. Bigfoot people. <laughs> That's funny. I, I like how the Wookiees are like, hey, we also do this. But like, no one blinks an eye. Like, everybody loves a Wookiee. And the Trinidadians <laughs> do it. And they're like, we hate these guys. No, it gets pointed out that the Wookiees are, are more or less peaceful. They, I mean, they fight back when the Trinidadians attack them. But one of the funniest bits of lore about Trandoshans is like a lot of lizards in the real world they can regrow their appendages uh so so when the when they attack the wookies instead of killing them the wookies will just rip off the arms and legs and leave them there <laughs> that's right that's where we get that wookies training to rip arms off of people oh gosh i yeah i love it as a combat strategy myself it was against the rules in all the grappling tournaments i competed in back in the day or else i would have tried it well that does it for season three that's that's a wrap that's all of them all right it's definitely one of the better seasons or at least contains some of the better arcs i don't know if it stands up as an entire season as well as like say six and seven do but you've got the night sister arc that's amazing 
You've got the Mortis arc that is great. Even the less entertaining episodes in this season are plot and lore important and get important messages across. Yep. Final thoughts. First really good season of Clone Wars. First really exceptionally good season. I'll agree I, I would agree. That. I uh, yeah I don't like I don't like to think of these in terms of seasons because I never watch them in season order. <laughs> yeah, this is always a collection of episodes that like I see at the very beginning or I see after stuff that happens seasons later. So I never think of all of these episodes collected in a group. But I would agree with what you said, Aaron. This is Star Wars Clone Wars really starting to find its footing. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll address our final thing here. Uh, and I'm excited to talk about this, and I know that we can talk about this for way too long. I also already know Aaron's answer, and I'm sure he knows mine. Ben, I'm excited to hear your thoughts. But the question of the week this week is, what's your favorite starfighter? And provided by Wikipedia, a starfighter, also referred to as a fighter, was a small and maneuverable spacecraft designed for combat in the atmosphere or space. Ben, tell us your favorite starfighter my favorite starfighter so i have one that's legends and i have one that's canon give us both so i love the k-wing from legends i really really like it it is like a very very heavy assault ship and it's got like all the bells and whistles the k-wing is uh, yeah no it's one of the more like realistic almost looking aircraft it Mm -hmm. has like 27 different hard points for bombs and missiles and all that kind of stuff but other than that it more or less looks like a realistic bomber it looks like a a heavy duty drone yeah it's got like a it looks it's got like a engine strapped to the back of it it's got a ball turret it's got missiles just out out the everything oh there's another ball turret yeah this thing means business yeah guns everywhere love it I, I just love it. And I saw it when I was like, uh, it was probably like 13 or 14 at a friend's house. And I was like, cause he had a, a book of uh, Star Wars ships. And I was like, I love this ship. This, if I could have a nice. ship in Star Wars, it'd be this. Um, and the other one is actually an ARC-170 fighter. Uh, the ARC-170s are great. It's a three man ship. You've got, you know, your two pilots in the front. They're big and they're great. And then you got a rear gunner. Yeah great choice um i love flipping around through battlefront in the arc 170 because it's the only ship that gives you an option to just have a real rear tail gunner and it's so great to be like i'm not gonna maneuver away out of this i'm just gonna let my ass take care of it (laughs) (laughs) and it just starts firing i really like that it's it's very small on this ship but i like that you see the beginnings of the X-wing design with the little S foils mm-hmm. in the in the central part of the wing, the Incom design really starting to take off there because the Arc 170 is made by the same company who eventually will will make the X-wing. Nice. I mean, yeah, Taylor, you mentioned we know each other's answers. So, in light of that, I'm going to answer for you. I love watching you fly a Y-wing when we play squadrons. <laughs> We haven't done it in a long time, but you are just, I mean, genuinely one of the best bomber pilots I've seen play that game. We're not the highest level. We were mid-tier, 
But no, I just I I never could get the hang of flying the big, slow, bulky ships. So to watch you do it in what I thought was a very skilled fashion, very entertaining. Well, thank you very much. Um, yeah, the Y wing is absolutely my favorite ship. It's got a job to do, and that's why I think it's so great. Uh, you know, all of the other ships are out there just killing each other and flying around doing things. No, the Y wing is not there for that distraction. It is there to not be seen for a little while and then fly in drop off its payload and get out of there i i really enjoyed flying a y-wing in that game because uh yeah you have to be a little bit my my advice is to be a little bit stealthy in that you know when you're not needed but the moment that you are needed you appear fly through drop your payload and then try to get out of there (laughs) I would never think to describe a Y-Wing as stealthy. No, no, they're slow ships. It's like trying to be stealthy while you're riding a Clydesdale. (laughs) It's like trying to be stealthy in a Chevy pickup from the 1960 that had the muffler removed. (laughs) I'm thinking specifically of, like, levels where there are asteroids and stuff. Just, I would stay behind the asteroids until I was needed. But, um... uh, Oh, man, I... I remember when the third act of Rogue One was happening. I was happy to see this. I was happy to see that. I was happy to see this. My my jaw was on the floor. And then Gold Leader shows up from A New yeah. Hope uh, with his entire gold wing f- flying behind him. And they take out that uh, Star Destroyer with their EMPs. They do exactly what they're supposed to do. They're not around. They make their appearance, they fly in, they do their job, they fly out. Mm-hmm. And it's it's wonderful. I, yeah. I loved that, and I, I, I love the Y-Wing. And in return, I will give Aaron's answer. Uh, similarly from playing Star Wars uh, Squadrons with him, I uh, am hard put to think of someone I would rather have in an A-Wing uh, flying around all over the map, covering my ass because I'm in a slow moving ship, but Aaron Robertson is out there with his foot on the pedal <laughs> going as fast as he can, dodging A-wing debris, go taking out a wing. Go Gotta go fast. Aaron's ship is definitely the a wing. I even specifically modify my a wing just with, with whatever the, the max speed engine is. I just, I, I, The maneuverability has to all come from me. All my vehicle itself is doing is speed. As fast in a straight line as I can possibly make it go. If I could take secondary weapons off of my A-Wing in that game the way they do in Star Wars to make it go two miles an hour faster, I would do it. (laughs) I believe that. And I can, uh, I- I'm pretty certain that I can say I have seen you end a match by death spinning into the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the bridge. I- I've seen you end a match death spinning into the bridge of a Star Destroyer before. Oh, good lord. I think I only managed it to be actually be the kill shot once, but I have tried it an embarrassingly large number of times. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Why, where are we getting all these deaths from? Oh yeah, I'll only get knocked out like two or three times by the other team, but then I'll have like eight deaths because I just... Ah! <laughs> just keep running to the bridge. It's at 3% health and Aaron keeps smashing into the bridge with his <laughs> A-Wing. 
<laughs> Are you dead yet? Are you dead yet? Are you dead yet? Oh, there we go. It works eventually. Aaron, tell us his name because we know you know his name. Arvel Crinid. He is the leader of Green Squadron, and he is the reason that I have the Green Squadron skin on for that game. Uh, in the X-Wing miniatures game, I had a duplicate A-Wing because I bought a bunch of them. So I painted it in the uh, Green Squadron colors so that it would stand out from my other two. Love that ship. It's such a cool design. I really want to see... I was really hoping to get to see more of it in the uh, the Mark II format in the new movies. Mm-hmm. We got a little mm-hmm. bit. We got, we got a tease, but I wanted more. You got to see a couple of them blow up. Unfortunately. <laughs> well, this has been, I think, another great episode. I know this will be edited down and we'll lose content, but we are nearing the two-hour mark in real time. Thank you for sticking with us this long if you're still here. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much. Absolutely. We've uh, we've got a couple more seasons of Clone Wars to get through. Uh, well, I guess mathematically, we have four more episodes of Clone Wars to get through. And then we'll be hitting uh, Revenge of the Sith. So... We hope you're enjoying it. Please uh, reach out to us through social media or uh, at our Gmail and Mm -hmm. tell us if you're enjoying it. Tell us if you're not enjoying it. Uh, Leave us some reviews. Uh, Subscribe to the podcast. Do all of those things that people that have podcasts tell you to do. (laughs) But most of all, keep listening. Have a great... uh, (laughs) Have a nice day. (laughs) (laughs) And remember, the Force will be with you. Always. Commence primary ignition. Carbon Scoring is a podcast created by Taylor Davis, Ben Mackey, and Aaron Robertson. Special thanks to Nick Parker, a.k.a. Later Hands, for our opening music. And special thanks to August Reed, who created our banner image. Come talk with us by joining our Facebook group, Carbon Scoring, or following us on Reddit at rcarbonscoring. You can also email us directly at carbonscoringpod at gmail.com. That's C-A-R-B-O-N-S-C-O-R-I-N-G-P-O-D at gmail.com Star Wars was created by George Lucas it's music by John Williams and is owned by the Walt Disney Company Hello Hello there Hello there